Watson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Fast swings on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominus. Sports content editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. We talk about Georgia Southern athletics and particularly football. We're recording on Tuesday, um, and uh, Georgia Southern will be playing at Texas State at 3 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. So our guest is the best person to talk to about that, Kev Chardello, who covers Texas State for the Austin American Statesman. And, and Kev, I hope I said Chardello correctly. You nailed it. Perfect. Perfect. Appreciate you. Glad to be here. Okay, great. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring, uh, Kef is going to stand by. We're going to talk a little bit about Georgia Southern's last game, which was a 28 to eight loss to then number 21 Coastal Carolina at Paulson Stadium on Saturday in Statesboro. And uh, just to sum up that game in a couple sentences, uh, Georgia Southern knew it had to play maybe its best game of the year to keep up with the Chanticleers. If I'm saying that correctly, I think I am. And, uh, it was 0-0 after one quarter, a lot of three-and-out kind of things. It was a sloppy, messy, terrible rainstorm, cold rain, biting rain coming down, and nobody was doing a whole lot of anything. And uh, Coastal Carolina was without their star quarterback, Grace McCall, for the second straight year. He missed the Georgia Southern game last year in Conway, South Carolina, this year in Statesboro uh, because of an upper body injury. So it uh, should have been to a George Southern's benefit not to have perhaps the best offensive player in the league playing against him. And uh, a lot of us were looking forward to seeing Grayson McCall in the flesh, so to speak. But he's out indefinitely with a serious uh, upper body injury. And uh, Bryce Carpenter, who's a senior who started a bunch of games as a, a couple years ago, 2019, I think he started six games, a couple games the year before that as a freshman. Uh, he uh, did, a, I guess, yeoman's duty. He's basically a running quarterback, and they didn't ask him to throw the ball very much. And in the rain, that's probably a good idea. So uh, George Southern committed a couple fumbles by their quarterback uh, in the rain, Justin Tomlin. Both of those touchdowns were quickly converted into um, both those turnovers were quickly converted into touchdowns for Coastal Carolina. And they're up 14 to nothing in the second quarter. And then the um, unimaginable, unthinkable, uh, 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 whatever you want to say, just a, a, a big mistake, uh, unacceptable mistake by Georgia Southern. All they had to do on fourth down at their own 40 was punt the ball away or even take a sack. Uh, their punter uh, take a sack with uh, the clock running down to zero. And instead, uh, Anthony Beck's punt was blocked and returned 33 yards for a touchdown. So suddenly Georgia Southern is down 21 nothing. Not exactly a gift touchdown because uh, Georgia, uh, Coastal Carolina earned it, but certainly an avoidable touchdown. So suddenly you're down to the number 21 team in the country, 21 nothing, And then um, it's kind of ironic because I, I, I'd argue Anthony Beck II is the best player, has, have, has played the best this year of anybody on the team. He's a I'm sure he's a candidate for all conference. He's a candidate for the Ray Guy Award. He he had booming punts in the rain. The one thing, and it maybe wasn't on him anyway, was that last play, just to be aware of the circumstances, is whatever you do, don't get the punt blocked, don't fumble, just get on the ground with the ball or get the ball away somewhere. It's going to be the last play of the half. Instead, it was a touchdown. 
Coastal Carolina came back on the, the their first possession of the third quarter and drove uh, the length of the field pretty much for a touchdown. It was 28 nothing. Georgia Southern had nothing going on offense. The fourth quarter, they brought in Cam Ransom, who's a true freshman who's played. That was his eighth game, but he hasn't really played a lot. Uh, and he had a nice start in the fourth quarter through a touchdown pass, and the game ended up 28-8. So Georgia Southern dropped to 3-6 and six overall, 2-3 and three in the Sun Belt. Oh, sorry, that's you guys' record. Georgia Southern. Sorry, two and seven overall, one and five in the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, they have a new head coach, as we talked about last week, uh, when we recorded as the announcement was about to come out. Clay Helton is the next head coach of Georgia Southern. Every maybe they're looking towards 2022 and just to kind of get through this year. And I'll ask Kel, uh, Kef about that, uh, about coaching uh, job security, because that's something that's been on his plate to talk about uh, for uh, especially this season, I think. So let's bring. Kef Chardello from the Austin American Statesman back to the show. And Kef, you're a returning uh, guest. Uh, I appreciate you doing that. You were here last season, did a great job, and we're going to double your pay, uh, but two times zero is still zero. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me back on. That was a good one last year, too, Georgia Southern, Texas State. That was, yeah, just to remind people, that that game was played in uh, Statesboro, and it went down to the, the wire and then some. It was it was a back and forth, and, and um, uh, the Bob, the Bobcats made a great run at the end of the game and uh, nearly, uh, I guess they didn't get the ball back to go for the win, but they closed within two points. What do you recall about Georgia Southern versus Texas State last year? And then we'll talk about this year. Man, you know, it was it was another close loss for the Bobcats. That, that seemed to be a, a, a common theme last season. They had a lot of those. The Boston College was a really close one, triple overtime, UTSA. And then that's just a, another one of those close ones that they've actually they've harped on a lot this season. And it's one of the one of those handful of games that they've said, you know, those are the ones that we have to win if, if we want to grow and be a better team. And right. they'll talk about that Georgia Southern one and, and how they kind of let it go at the end. But this, yeah, it, you know, it's kind of a different deal. Um, obviously, coaching change midseason, picked up Clay Helton, which is going to be interesting for the future. And I really want to find out if they'll continue the triple option. I don't think they will, but. No, no. <laughs> I can I can answer that for him because he was asked about the Clay Helton was asked about that at his introductory press conference last Thursday. Here, once again, we're taping on Tuesday of game week uh, against Texas State. But last week on Thursday before the Coastal Carolina game, Clay Helton, who signed a contract on Tuesday, I believe November 2nd, and then he was introduced on Thursday. Uh, and um, uh, he um, he was asked about the the option or, or some version of the, the triple option has been run here. Well, I guess all, with the exception of a couple coaches who were uh, ushered out relatively quickly, but some they, they've they've stuck with that. Uh, um, you might say stubbornly, or just as a, they have great faith in the triple option or some modern version of it. And uh, even though they haven't run a pure triple option this season, like they did with uh, Shy Wirtz for the last four years, um, I think it was a triple option with Shy Wirtz. Uh, you definitely uh, it was a run first quarterback, and then he could pitch it the last second and uh, then he could also throw it a little bit too he got better at that at by the time he was a senior uh one of the all-time statistically one of the all-time best quarterbacks at george southern and now they've had uh nothing close to that this year uh but uh, yeah he clay helton was asked about that to answer your question and he said i'm i'm not one to go show up at a new place and say this is the system we're going to run i'm paraphrasing here i'm going to evaluate the talent and and go with an offense that fits best with the talent now 
he also said that where he's been like at Memphis and at Southern Cal, he had NFL future NFL running backs and he ran a very physical, he was the offensive coordinator, the offensive brains of the operation. And he ran a very physical running game. And he said, there's nothing wrong with throwing it deep over the top of the defense. If the defense is looking for the run and is kind of, you know, moved in for that, then you throw it over their heads. So you basically take what the defense gives you and uh, you have often, he said the team that he sees on film, the Georgia Southern team has, um, a bruising offensive line and, and and talented running backs, and they they uh, they could have a really nice run game. And I guess he has to do further study to kind of judge the uh, the the wide receivers. But the, uh, the he said the quarterbacks can certainly throw it, Justin Tomlin and Cam Ransom, which we'll get into more. But so the answer was he did not commit to the option. He basically ruled out the dive plays on the option. That was maybe a direct quote. But uh, I think uh, we'll see if the lay of the land is that they're. People are more willing to accept a non-traditional option as the offense, as the more of a modern attack, more wide open offense than, than you and I have seen here uh, for many years. So uh, Clay Helton is going to be a, a, a breath of fresh air. He's also kind of old. He's very much old school in, in terms of uh, a lot of things. He's a, a college football lifer. His dad is uh, Kim Helton was a, is a longtime NFL and college head coach. And his brother, uh, Tyler at Western Kentucky, is a longtime coach and he's a longtime coach. So this is what he does. He said he doesn't like civilian life. He's a he's he's all about coaching and he's super excited to be in Statesboro which is not like Los Angeles, but uh, in many ways. But anyway, so Georgia Southern did pull the trigger on a coach on the hot seat in Chad Lunsford, even though they were eight and five last season and won a bowl game, their second bowl win in three years. They had been at three bowl games in a row. You'd think eight and five would buy you some security, but uh, he was fired after a one and three start. Let me turn the tables now. What's been going on in, in uh, San Marcos? Um, and it's not San Marcos, right? It's San Marcos. San Marcos. Yeah. You know, there is an O, so that does throw people off sometimes. Yeah. So um, uh, what has been, I think Jake Spavadal, who's in his third season and he's eight and 25 right now, I believe in his third season, but hasn't he been, uh, hasn't things been, been a little bit hot from when, where he's sitting? You know, you would think so at a, at a normal school and a normal program, you, you would think that, and what has happened going into his third season, that things might, it might be getting, his seat might be getting a little warm. But if you look back at the the recent history of Texas State. I mean, they haven't won more than three games in a season since 2014. Right, and he's right. the third different coach in that time. And so I, I think there's a, a little more patience with it for a few different reasons. I mean, it, it would be another coach that you let go after three years. Same thing happened with Everett Withers. So that's going to be kind of a turnoff for other candidates, other big candidates that you would that's bring. Good point. So yeah. I, I think that and and Spavadol, he doesn't ruffled feathers like Withers did. You know, I mean, he's oh. he's despite what's happened on the field, he's been good to the media. You know, I know from my perspective, he shows up and he answers all the tough questions and he does. Yeah. It um, and people that work around him, like for the school, people really appreciate him. They like him. He's very approachable. Uh, so I, I think it's I. If he loses out the rest of the season, I mean, there might be some some more talk of that. But if he's able to kind of show some success, whether it's four or five wins, the bar is really low at Texas State. <laughs> able to show that, then it'll it'll instill a little bit of confidence. People aren't ecstatic about Spav at all, but they're also not calling for his head as much. Of course, there's a few people who are, but for the most part, it, it kind of feels the vibe is 
Um, can continue to let him build this recruiting class through the transfer portal like he's been doing. Hasn't really paid dividends this year, but it seems that's still their strategy going forward. It's just kind of infused this program with a lot of talent and hope that talent brings wins. Um, I think when Spavadol answered questions about recruiting last week, he kind of said the same deal that he needs another year to Mm -hmm. – to the depth that he wants but there there is something to continuity and you mentioned about if you're always firing coaches or, or coaches are moving on after uh, uh losing seasons how do you build a winner if you don't give them time to build a winner and i i from what i've heard people uh, other coaches respect jake spavadol they like him i know i've heard him on the conference calls uh, for a couple seasons now and he seems to uh like you said he seems to really be a good represent- representative of the school he answers the questions he's honest about uh the way the team is playing and um i think um he is he's would you say that he's as disappointed as anyone that the team is three and six and two and three in the Sun Belt? You do have a couple Sun Belt wins, but like you said, there's um, a lot of dramatic wins with the overtime games, wins and losses in overtime and um, uh, beating ULM last week had to be a, a, a big thing because ULM is much improved, I would say, under uh, under coach Terry Bowden than than they've been in a while. Right. They're not a pushover. Although Georgia Southern didn't find them to be a pushover last season either. That game went down to literally the last play. Um, Georgia Southern played a lot of close games last year and won a a bunch of them. This year, they're not winning the close games. They're not finishing. Um, But uh, would you say that uh, Spavital, he's disappointed that they're not closing out wins? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can tell it bothers him. Uh, he's not a very emotional guy one way or the other, mad or, or happy. Um, but you can you can tell it, it wears on him and you can kind of tell even though he'll give you a, a full answer on a question. But when you ask one about, you know, the, the mounting losses and what it means for the team, you can you can sense the aggravation in him. I mean, he, he definitely cares. How could you not care being being the. Yeah the coach of a team um but it, it, and it has been like you, you brought up the win last week with ulm a close one that they were able to get over the hump they've had two overtime wins you know they've had these close games that they would have lost last year but then they have these other losses that they would that wouldn't have been as lopsided last season 45 to nothing to louisiana yeah, uh, yeah. 59 to 21 to eastern michigan i mean and so it, it's yeah. It's a little bit of a of a of a give and take, and it's finding that consistency, really, yeah. with did, these players. Did, did recount for me if I'm if I'm recalling correctly or not? Uh, did the university president kind of step in and say, he didn't say the 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 kiss of death statement like uh, Jake Spavital is our is our quarter as our coach, but he, did he say something or along the lines like, hey, give this guy a, a, some time? Yeah, there was the the AD Don Coriel here. He put out released a statement on Monday after they lost forty five to nothing on Saturday. It was the to first Louisiana. yeah yeah first time they had they had been blown out since or uh, shut out. I'm sorry since two thousand two. Uh, the first time the Bobcats hadn't scored any points after a game, so it was it was kind of a it was a big deal. So the AD came out, he, he put a statement out. Um, it was it was a little bit of support for Spavadol saying, you know, we're 
We're going to give him everything that he needs to be successful. And then he made a commitment to increase cost of attendance, um, to increase the budget for a lot of different areas. Uh, it was just kind of saying, supporting him and saying that the school is disappointed at the loss as well. Um, but, you know, it was it was a message of support, but it's also a subtle warning because it is like you said, there are those kiss of death statements where he's our guy and then yeah. the next week they're gone. So <laughs> it, you can kind of read between the lines and be like, all right, they're they're not happy with what's happening on the field. And that's a different story than the last regime, because Don Coriel has been here since 2003, but it's his first year as the AD. That happened on September 1st. Long oh, wow. time Larry Tice stepped down. Um, he's still there in, in a, a different role in, in, until the spring, but he is no longer the AD. And so it's it's a it's a new regime. And that was kind of the problem with with when Larry Tice was there. He would never talk with the media. He wouldn't mm-hmm. release a lot of statements. And so it is it's it's nice to see that for Texas State. You know, a lot more is needed, but that's a good step in the right direction. OK, we're going to take a pause here. Uh, for a little commercial announcement, but we'll be back with Kef Chardello of the Austin American Statesman. He covers Texas State and uh, for his sixth season now, I believe he told me. Uh, and he's also a Texas State grad, so he has a real history, some local course knowledge, if you will, of the program that goes back to when he was a student there. So he definitely knows what he's talking about, as you as you are all aware now, listening to him for the last 20 minutes or so. So let's uh, I'm going to take a break. We'll give Kef a, a, a chance to uh, to think about uh, what he what he thinks about Georgia Southern situation of what they the move they made uh in season and also his outlook for what's going to happen on saturday we'll be back with kef in a, in a minute but let me uh, let me plug the best source for local news in savannah the savannah morning news and savannahnow.com if you want to know the latest about georgia southern football and there's certainly a lot of news with coaching changes and player changes and we talk about the quarterback situation uh what about the high school teams they're about to start the playoffs here in georgia and which teams are hot uh going into the playoffs and which teams uh, are maybe struggling a little bit uh and out we got uh, savannah state they have their programs having one of their best years in a long time eight and two and they're they're holding their breath hoping to get into the ncaa division two state uh, uh national state like say state playoffs the division two playoffs uh, i think right now they're number nine or number eight they moved up to number eight in their super region they need to be in the top seven to get in that large bid is how it's supposed to work so they're eight and two so we uh, of course we cover savannah state there's also that and a lot more including news features and opinion columns you get all of that uh, if you're a subscriber so if you're not a subscriber now's the time to check us out you can get full access to all of our digital content I think that the special right now as it's been for months is $1 for six months. It was $1 a month for six months, but it's for a while now it's been $1 for six months. So that takes you all the way through the football season, well into the basketball season, maybe beyond at this point. And it's kind of like we're paying you a dollar. That's that's hopefully that's something that everybody can work with. So uh, give us a shot. Uh, go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now. That's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. Give us a shot and uh, follow Georgia Southern and Savannah State coverage, high school sports, and much more. And uh, we've, given, we've given Kef some time to take catch his breath. So let's go back to Kef Chardello of the Austin American Statesman as we talk about Georgia Southern at Texas State this Saturday, 3 o'clock Eastern time. 
course, Texas and Central Time, 3 o'clock Eastern Time on ESPN Plus and also on your favorite uh, Georgia Southern or, or Texas State Radio Network if you want to pick them up online uh, streaming. So, Kef, are you, are you still there? You're still with us? I'm still here. I'm right here. Okay. Well, you got What's that? I might subscribe after that, that pitch. <laughs> well, well <laughs> that's one of a dollar. I, I've had people say to other people, hey, if you don't want to pay a dollar, I've got a dollar right here. I, I think that's a, that's a pretty tempting offer. Appreciate an out-of-state person like your out-of-state resident being interested. You, you do keep up with the Sunbelt Conference, and they've made a lot of, of um, news. I'm going to kind of zig and zag here. Of the, of the four schools that are going to be in the Southern, the Southern, the Sunbelt Conference, the Sunbelt Conference, as it, as it expands by 2023, we're talking Southern Miss, Old Dominion, uh, Marshall, and uh, James Madison, which is a power in FCS football. And all those all those schools, of course, have all the sports or most all, every sport, not just football. Is there any of those, those schools that jumped out at you as a natural rival or a possible rival for the Bobcats? Man, it, it's so hard for Texas State to even truly find a rival in the Sun Belt because you're kind of in an island in Texas. It's a good thing, a bad thing. Uh, you don't really have that that in-state rival with somebody. I mean, the closest one proximity-wise is Southern Miss. And I know, right. I, for one, I'm pretty excited about Southern Miss joining the Sun Belt because they have a, a really great baseball program. They're yeah. Gonna, they're going to make a base, a strong baseball conference even better. And Texas State competes really well. They, they had a down year last year in baseball, but usually they're, they're competing pretty hard in, on, in baseball. So I'm excited for that addition, uh, the, the rich tradition of Marshall and their football program. Yeah. Um, James Madison, all the great things they've done. It's pretty cool. I, I love all the additions, and I think it's, it's done nothing but increase the profile of, of the Sun Belt. Yeah, and and they're not necessarily in major markets, major TV markets, I don't think, but they they're in uh, just you know just on our casual knowledge, being sports fans over the over the decades, that uh, you we've seen you know Southern Miss, and I I don't know if everyone wants me to go back to the Brett Favre days when I I actually uh, covered an Alabama Southern Miss game where Brett Favre was the quarterback. That's how old I am, but uh, yeah, obviously they uh, they've been really good in sports at different times. You mentioned baseball. Uh, I think Marshall's men's soccer team is maybe the defending national champion right now. Uh, we don't think of Marshall necessarily as um, anything but football, but uh, you know they've got great athletes in different sports. But uh, yeah, and and it's another topic maybe for another day how the Sun Belt uh, might shake up things with the other Texas schools and Little Rock and all that with you know the non-football schools how that may play out. But um, yeah, you got you guys have uh, well, you guys. Uh, Texas State, they what what are the rivals in state? What are the the schools that they play in sports as often as possible that are not necessarily Sun Belt teams? Oh, right, right off the bat is UTSA. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you know about them. Nine and zero, they're they're ranked. Well, it depends on which which Brett, which pool you're looking at, but they are uh, in right down the road, right down I-35 is the highway that connects them. About 30 minutes separate the two schools. Okay. Um, they're not in the same conference, but they play each other non-conference quite often. They played last year. They haven't played this year, yeah. but starting in 2023, they're going to play something. Uh, I think it's seven consecutive years all the way to 2031. Yeah. So that's the big rival right now, though. I mean, UTSA has only had football for 10 years. And Texas really? State had it for a hundred and something years. <laughs> and UTSA is four and zero versus Texas State. So oh. I guess I should say rivalry very tentatively. You know, I mean, it's, 
Bobcats aren't, aren't pulling their there, end of the rivalry, but there's some work to be done. That's hard to live down when you're in Texas and it's football that you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. It's bad. My brother's a UTSA grad, actually. So oh, you still speak to him. Yeah, but, you know, barely. It's hard. <laughs> and I love that guy. But, you know, it's okay. it's uh, yeah, that that's definitely the biggest rivalry for for both schools. And I mean, it's a lot more competitive in other sports. Definitely basketball, baseball, um, you know, Texas State hands them uh, gives it to them pretty good in baseball, though. They don't have a strong baseball program, but they're pretty good at, at some other sports. And and it's uh, that, that's definitely the, the one team I would say that's a rival. It used to be Sam Houston State when both teams were FCS. Now it's interesting, Sam Houston State moving up uh, to Conference USA, coming up from FCS. So right, 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 uh, right. I wonder if they'll try and get some non-conference going there. It's uh, it's just good to talk about because you talk about um, they, they use the phrase mid majors in basketball and of course uh, FBS and FCS and all that and and um, the power the group of five and the power five conferences it's uh, uh, the Sun Belt seems to be working so hard especially in the past year or year and a half of, of raising their profile and letting people know hey uh, it's not just App State. Although App State came in with Georgia Southern, you know, relatively recently, 2014, I guess. Uh, but um, at, as terms of national profile in football, it's not just App State. It's it's now it's uh, Louisiana uh, is a regular in the polls or close to the polls. And then Coastal Carolina is like the America's uh, favorite underdog or, or I don't even know if they're underdogs. But, you know, America's team uh, last season going undefeated in the regular season, beating BYU on national TV on short notice during the pandemic season if you will. And then uh, they they actually beat Georgia Southern and slipped to number 22 in the rankings. Uh, part of that may be that they lost their star quarterback. So maybe that's even though that's worked into it. But um, Coastal Carolina is fighting actually to get into the Sunbelt Conference Championship game because they lost head to head to App State. So Louisiana is already in on the other side, the West Division champions. So you've got three teams right there that are like regular powers just going back a year. We're not really going back too far. And then Georgia Southern, of course, has slipped down. Uh, ULM seems to be making some headway with new coach Terry Bowden. Arkansas State's kind of uh, hard to figure right now, with uh, but Butch Jones is there now, and he's a well-known coach, so you figure things are going to get straightened out there. And and then like you said, about uh, believing in Coach Spavadol, um, they they want to see the wins go up. But if you if you guys if you guys if the Bobcats do get to number four wins, would you say that's the most wins they've had since like 2014 or something? Right. Yeah. 2014 was and they went seven and five. Didn't get to a bowl game, though. A lot of teams were bowl eligible, so they didn't get a bowl game. Um, that was the last time they had more than three wins in a season. So a fourth win is, is kind of monumental for, for Texas State. Well, they've got a couple games to play with, uh, three games, I guess, to play with. What As far as this Saturday, before we run out of time here, uh, as far as this Saturday goes, what uh, I want to start with the quarterback situation because I, I want to – I guess it could change between today and Saturday. But what, but what basically do you expect to happen with the quarterbacks? Because last season – I think uh, George Southern got more than they wanted to from Tyler Vitt, uh, but he wasn't. He's not necessarily the starter game in and game out, right? Brady McBride is has the leg up most time. I, where, where were they health wise, and what do you think the the rotation on Saturday? Yes, Spavadol actually he you know as I was saying he's, he's he's good with the media and today he he made our job easier by announcing a starter and saying Vitt's going to be the starter at yeah, Georgia yeah. Southern like that just happened about an hour and a half ago so it's not like uh, they're new but it's um 
Yeah. It, it, so, I mean, yeah, he gave you a lot to handle last year. He actually got injured in that game, and McBride came in off the bench and finished it off. And that's how it almost turned into a win for Texas State. So Georgia Southern got to see both last season. Um, but Tyler Vitt, he just won Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week. Right. For, right. for the win over ULM. So it's kind of hard to, to not name him the starter. <laughs> And, you know, the first seven games, it was Brady McBride. He started uh, very up and down. Then he injured his ankle. Uh, Vitt started against Louisiana, only threw the ball 13 times. They kind of ran the ball a lot, and, you yeah. know, they knew their opponent, so they were kind of just trying to stay healthy, I guess. And then they really kind of let him air it out a little bit more last week, 16 for 31, 262 yards, a 49-yard touchdown pass. He's good at the big bombs. He's good at the back shoulder passes, but sometimes he kind of he'll he'll make the intermediate mistakes. He'll try and fit a ball into a real tight window and turns it over. That's kind of Vitt's Achilles' heel. Um, but yeah, you're you're gonna see some Tyler Vitt, but Spav- uh, McBride is healthy, and Spavital hinted that there's a, a possibility that both could be out there at some. Okay. The, and I know that the Georgia Southern defense played uh, much better against Coastal Carolina. And once again, Grayson McCall was not in, but um, they the, and the weather conditions were such that passing the ball was probably not advisable, uh, at least depending on the pass. But um, and Georgia Southern got way behind 28 nothing, so they had to pass. But uh, the Georgia Southern defense has been susceptible to the pass uh, since the start of the season. Their their cornerbacks have been hurt or knocked out for the year now. We've, they, they just lost another one Saturday night who was the backup. He, was, he didn't even start the season as, as a cornerback. Uh, Najee Thompson, who's a special teams whiz, he's like the demon on special teams. He was a backup wide receiver for three years, and then he um, – uh, they moved him to cornerback for depth when Derek Cantine, who's a priest, was a, a All-American. Hopefully, he was a freshman All-American last year with six interceptions. He got knocked out for the year on the second game of the season at Florida Atlantic. Uh, pectoral muscle tear, I believe it was. So they lost their best shutdown corner the second game of the year. Uh, everybody else who stepped up is, has since been injured as well. Uh, they lost uh, Tyler Bride to a, a concussion against Georgia State. A really scary, scary situation because he left on a stretcher, basically, and we, we feared you know much worse situation than a concussion. Not that that's good, but we feared a much more uh, permanent injury. So um, he uh, he's out. He might come back in time for the Texas State game based on concussion protocol, but Najee Thompson got his ankle rolled up while the, the team was re- re- trying to recover the one fumble that they did recover against Coastal Carolina. He got rolled up on, and, and uh, he's going to have surgery Thursday. So he's out for the rest of the season, and every other cornerback I can name has also missed time because of injury. So uh, between them and the safeties, they've just had a lot of players in and out, and the, the defensive secondary has, has been uh, beaten up and beaten on a, a bunch of deep balls or – you know, 20 plus yards uh, uh, at a time. So I, I don't know if Texas State is is going to see what they can do with the two quarterbacks. I'm sure they're going to be pat looking for some deep balls, but uh, also maybe Georgia Southern has figured some things out as far as stopping the run a little better than they have. So yeah, the defense has been hurting, which is the opposite of last year. Last year's defense progressively got better from the opening game through the uh, bowl win. They they were a pretty pretty stellar by the the back part of the season, but that hasn't been the case and the offense has been struggling and I'm going to say um and you're going to be at the game, I assume, that uh, Cam Ransom is right now probably going to start. Uh, the coach, uh, the interim head coach, Kevin Willey, has all but said 
that he's going to be starting. He said yesterday it hasn't been determined yet. It depends how practice goes. But based on how Cam Ransom played last week, and I'll say based on how Justin Tomlin, who started every game since he came back from his academic suspension in game three against Arkansas, which was nationally ranked at the time, one of the hottest teams in the country that week, um, that uh, that was not a great game to come back for. But uh, Justin Tomlin has been the starter ever since. Cam Ransom's kind of done uh, not mop-up duty but he's kind of played sparingly since then and then saturday night last saturday he had a pretty solid fourth quarter in the rain so coach uh whitley at the time said he certainly made a case to become the starter for the texas state game and he reiterated that yesterday saying everything but that he's the starter so uh, people are excited to see a six foot three 215 pound left-hander who can throw any kind of pass, but he is a true freshman. He played high school ball this time last year. So we'll see what he does. Um, running backs are beaten up, but they're still a pretty strong group. Offensive line has been, uh, oddly, they've been together the whole season. So um, basically they've had the same lineup at, at offensive line, despite the the team kind of struggling. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a road game, and that's another issue. Georgia Southern has started out extremely slowly on the road, and they have not won a road game this year. The two wins this year are at home and against teams they were favored to beat and all the other games they've lost against teams that were they were favored to lose to. So I hadn't seen the line on Texas State. Uh, what, or what are you hearing? What do you expect? Yeah, the line, the Vegas odds that they, they are uh, Texas State's favored, but two and a half. I was, I was, okay. uh, it's only so, the third time Texas State's been favored this season. How many? How many times? Three times. Three times, and one of them they lost. It was an FCS team, Incarnate Word, different state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that was one that we. Uh, I don't know Incarnate Word. Every now and then you'll see a player from Georgia sign with them, but I didn't know how good they were. Or are, but um, they're not a team that the people are familiar with, I don't think. Um, yeah, relatively but, uh, relatively new football program too for them. They're they're a smaller school, but they've been coming around. They've got a really good coach, Chad Morris. He was actually oh, yeah. Patrick uh, Patrick Mahomes' offensive coordinator when he was at Texas Tech. So yeah, and Chad Morris had, had, uh, was a head coach in the SEC not too long ago, right? No, I'm so sorry, Eric Morris. I said Chad. Oh, okay. But yeah, you're okay. absolutely right. You're thinking of the Arkansas coach. No, yeah, I'm sorry, Eric Morris. I'm glad you created. Okay, for everybody in the editing, that will go with Eric Morris on that. Uh, <laughs> I guess we're almost out of time, um, Kev. So do you have um, you have a, a two and a half point favorite. You know, there's reasons why they do that. Usually at, at home is worth. I guess the, the rule of thumb is a home game is worth three points. So. Uh, I guess they're, they're considering the two teams as basically more or less even, but uh, Texas State being at home. But they're also playing better than Georgia Southern uh, is right now. So, um, And if you just look at all the different indicators of road performance and all that, yeah, it's not it's not a shock that Texas State is favored. Um, they should be favored. Um, but uh, so you, you expect um, uh, a little bit of Brady McBride, a little bit of Tyler Vitz and Calvin Hill. I just like saying Calvin Hill's name because I go way back to the other Calvin Hill. <laughs> he's mistaken for that quite a bit. That's funny. Yeah. yeah I don't know uh, if he's related. Of course, Grant Hill is maybe more famous than Calvin Hill. That's Calvin Hill's son. Grant Hill, the uh, NBA great. Uh, but Calvin Hill was, in, was a college and pro football great. Um, I guess at Yale and before my time, but then at, at with the Dallas Cowboys. But this Calvin Hill that's been running, uh, running back for, for the Bobcats, any relation to the – the other Calvin Hill? 
You know, I, I feel like that question got answered and I can't remember the answer. I, I don't think he's related. I'm, I'm going to say the answer is no if you don't remember it. So. Right. That's what I'm thinking, too. If they were related, I feel like that would have stuck in my brain. You would have but, said like a third cousin or a great uncle or my, right. my mom's sister's uh, uh, son-in-law or brother-in-law or whatever. So, uh, well, Kef, you, as always, your wealth of information, you've been uh, more, more worth well more than what we're paying you for this uh, this guest <laughs> appearance. Um, I really appreciate it. I uh, hope you can come back next year when uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's George Southern's turn to host the Bobcats if they're on the schedule. I, I you know, the schedules are a little funky sometimes. The uh, ULM is not on Georgia Southern schedule this year, um, for instance. So uh, I really appreciate your time. I, I want to thank everybody for listening to Georgia Southern Extra. We're taping on Tuesday once again, so we'll see uh, updates. Uh, you just got an update fresh from the, the beat reporter, fresh from the source on um, Tyler Vick going to start and uh, Brady McBride available to play Saturday, 3 o'clock Eastern. And uh, we'll find out in the next couple of days uh, whether Cam Ransom is going to, or maybe they'll save it till a, a game time decision just to keep uh, Texas State guessing a little bit. But um, anyway, we'll see what happens Saturday and we'll be back next week to talk about how the game went and we'll look ahead to BYU another uh, ranked team coming into uh, Statesboro which is uh, twice in three weeks this doesn't happen that often thanks Kef thanks everybody for listening we'll catch you next week Southern. Ah, swing!